0: Good morning. Uh so what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do as a so as a as a pastor whenever I you, I'm at social gatherings of any kind barbecues, uh parties or uh if it's some kind of event at Lauren's School, there's always like if you've been there, right? There's always these conversations that happen, small talk, uh meeting new people and you're kind of asking about family and, and asking about what they do, right? Like that conversation always happens. It's inevitable that that question gets brought up. You know, so what do you do for a living? And so whenever I get asked that question, I kind of have this internal turmoil, if you will, because, because when I tell people I'm a pastor, a couple different things usually happen. The first thing is that they judge me, and the fact that they think that I'm going to judge them, right? And so especially if there um, has been alcohol around, um, immediately the beer goes down behind the back, or they sit on a table, or they say, oh, cool, you're a pastor, and slowly turn and walk away, right? Or, or they apologize, say, oh, you know what? I'm sorry for, the, I'm sorry for using the bad language around you. And, and people, when they find I'm going to pastor, they feel like they, they have to change who they are for me, and really, I don't care how they act around me. You know, I, my goal is not for them to base the way they behave on my views, right? I want them to see God through me. And so so I, I worry about saying, hey, I'm a pastor because I know it's gonna bring out those reactions. But I also love to tell people I'm a pastor because that does happen. But a lot of times I get a different reaction. Sometimes people begin to kind of berate me with questions, right? And sometimes they're tough questions, like questions out of the Bible, you know, the Bible says you're not allowed to wear clothing that's made of two different materials, but all of our clothing is made out of two different materials, how do you justify that, or, or you know, there's this passage in the Old Testament that says this, or, or what about where, where, where what's his face that talks a lot says that women can't talk in church, or or what about, and they become, they come up with all these questions, sometimes they'll, they'll bring a verse up that they saw on Facebook that isn't really a verse, but somebody put something fake out there, you know. And they have all these questions, and so I kind of, it's kind of sometimes to try and trap me, but sometimes it's really out of curiosity, and I love to have those conversations and answer those questions, but but you know what question that in all of my years of ministry, which I know is not a lot, right, but but if you count volunteering at youth, going to camps, going to school, I mean, I've been doing some form of ministry for for eight years, right? And so if you count all of those eight years, you know what I'm asked more than anything else, what am I supposed to do, right? What am I supposed to do? These decisions that come up in life, whether it's, like, whether it's a, hey, you know what? When I was in ministry, parents would come and say, my kid is not behaving. They just won't obey. They won't listen to me. What am I supposed to do in this situation? Or I've had conversations with people that have a new job opportunity and it's, it's more money, but it's a further drive or it's more money, but, but the, the workplace might not be that great. Or maybe it's a great workplace and it's less money. And so, hey, what am I supposed to do? And, and, and there's these decisions, right? And, and we've all been there. We've all been there where we've had to make a decision in life. Am I right? And, and, and a lot of times we just want to know what we're supposed to do. A, a believer or not believer. It doesn't matter. A lot of times when they find I'm a pastor, there's this sense that, hey, I've got some kind of wis- wisdom that they don't have and they want to know what's, what decisions should they make. You know and and let's just be real I'm a millennial right and millennials are notorious for being indecisive but but let me let me defend millennials for a moment because if you look at today's era there is so much knowledge education and technology that the options are endless like You can a person can go to school and get a degree, and then she can become a business owner and successful in a field she didn't even get her degree in, right? And and it's it's like it doesn't matter. The options are endless, and when, when when there's more options, the decision is harder. For example, if I'm going to Chick Fil A for a milkshake, they got like three choices, and if you don't get cookies and cream, you're dumb. Right, <laughs> like, like that. They have like chocolate, vanilla, and cookies and cream, and cookies and cream is amazing. So when I'm going to Chick Fil A, there's no decision. I pull up to that window, and it's it's a cookies and cream milkshake, right? But but have you guys ever heard of Cookout? Like, there's there's a few of them in Georgia now. They started up in North Carolina, where Lawrence from. So I've been going to Cookout for years, right? And you pull up to Cookout, you want some ice cream, and there's a whole section of the menu. What is it like? 40 flavors of milkshakes, 40 flavors, right? You get up there and you're like, uh, um, banana pudding, no, peach cobbler, no, no, fudge, no, chocolate fudge, Uh, peanut butter fudge, no, Reese's, Uh, Oreo, mint oreo and and it's like what do I want right and there's this pressure because it's like if I pick the wrong thing and I miss out on something and Lauren's hilarious right so if we go and we get ice cream somewhere Lauren doesn't want to taste mine because she's afraid that it'll be better than hers and she'll know what she's missing right (laughs) and so there's this pressure this pressure to make the perfect decision right and and when we come to this and we have this weight of trying to make the perfect decision we freeze We panic because what if we make the wrong decision? And when we freeze and we panic and we make no decision, it's always a bad decision. And so, really, what I want to look at today is say, hey, what is God's will for your life? right? And the decisions that we face, you know, um, should I put my kids in public school or private school? Should I buy this house or this house? Or should I rent? Should I buy a new car or keep the car I have? Should I take this new job? Should I stay in the job I have? Should I start this business? Should I uh, uh, get married now or get married later? Should I have kids or should I n- snip, snip, right? Like like we have all these decisions that we have to make, and there's this this weight in saying, "What do I do? How do I make sure that I make the right decision?" Because because honestly, like we we all know that that we're and you guys have heard me talk about it. We're we're, we're living out our story, right? And we're all writing our story. We all have this narrative that we're going through life with, and and we all have these blank pages in front of us. We all have this unwritten part of our story that that is yet to happen, and the decisions that we make today determine the stories that we tell tomorrow. And so it comes down and there's this, this weight, and we've all been in that place where we've, we've made a bad decision, right? And we, we, we dated that guy and we shouldn't have dated him, or, or we bought that car and I shouldn't have bought that car and now I'm in debt, or, or some, let's be honest, some of us, your, your bad decision starts out with, hey, y'all watch this, right? Or, or look, mom, no hands, but let's be honest, hey. Hold my beer, right? Like we've all made dumb decisions. And in those moments, they can fill us with regret, but we know that the decisions we make today determine the stories that we tell tomorrow. So when we're faced with that question, what am I supposed to do? What is God's will for me? What is the perfect decision? What I want you to know is that throughout this series, we're going in a divine direction. We're gonna find out and we're gonna get really practical in what God's will is for us. But what I wanna to do today is I kinda of wanna lay the foundation. Because I think that if we don't pay attention to this foundation, that everything else we do in the future will be off. So what I wanna to do today is I wanna literally go in and see what God's will for us is and how we do that and how that lays the foundation for our future. Uh, First Thessalonians chapter four verse three. I've got it on the screen because I'm going to be all over the place in scripture today. But it says this: It is God's will that you should be an accountant. Is that what I said? No. Nah. Okay. It's God's will that you should be a doctor. Ah, huh? it doesn't say that. No. Um, it's God's will that that you should start the business. Now, in fact, it doesn't say anything about what you're supposed to do. It says it is God's will that you should be holy. It's, and if you, if you dive into this and you actually go and you look at the Greek of this word holy, it means set apart. It means different. It's talking about character. So what I, what I want us to see today is that when it comes to God's will for our life, it, it's who before do, God cares more about who you are than what you're doing. If we're trying to figure out what God's will is for our life, it's more important that we take a step back and we look at the person we are becoming and not the thing that we are doing. I mean, let's, let's think about Jesus for a moment. Jesus rarely talked about people's vocational career. In fact, if you look at a lot of times when he's talking about people's vocation, what they're doing, their career, he's saying, hey, you may be a fisherman, but I want you to drop the nets and come follow me. Hey, you may be a tax collector, they might be what you're doing, but I want you to come follow me, be my disciple as we develop your character. See, he was more concerned with people's character than their career. And I think that if we are going to walk in God's will, that we need to understand that it's who before do. And this, honestly, it it kind of makes sense. Because if if you're not concerned with the person you're becoming, you could be doing exactly what you're called to do. You could be exactly what you want to do. But if you're not the person you want to be, it will eventually crumble around you. I think, for example, you guys know that I'm a part-time teller with Wells Fargo. And if you haven't been living under a rock recently, you've probably seen that Wells Fargo is in a lot of trouble. They've got a couple different lawsuits are out there because of the way that they were structured. See, they were concerned with, with doing banking, but weren't concerned with who they were as a company. And so before long, bankers began to open up bank accounts because it was all about what they were doing and making sure they were making the money and making sure they were meeting their quotas. And, and they began to tell their bosses about it and their bosses said, hey, you know what? This pads my numbers, it makes me look good. And so they begin to hide that and cover it up. And you, before you know it, you've got multiple levels of management who have now, some lost their jobs, some have ended up in jail, and, it, and it's because their character was not import, more important than their career. And, and to be honest with you, from, the, from working on the inside and being a, a teller, they have completely changed the way they're doing business. No longer is sales even a thing. And, and Wells Fargo's has done a great job of, of kind of revamping and, and caring more about the customer, right? And they're making that change. But, but all of that heartache, all of the financial loss, all of the, the bad media that's come could have been avoided if they cared more about who than do. Another, another example is, I'm going to kind of be vulnerable for a minute, I hope you guys are nice to me, but, but how many of you think that, that I, I have the calling that, that God's will for my life is to be a pastor? You guys agree with that? Thank you. I was a little bit worried about asking that question. Yeah. All right. so, so you would say that God's will for me is to be a pastor, and I would argue that that's probably his secondary will that he cares more about me as a person and who my character than what I'm doing. Because how, how, what does it matter if I stand up here and give you the best message you've ever heard, but I go home and I'm abusive to my wife? What does it matter if I'm this great charismatic leader and we grow and we have this huge church, but, but if you go home and I'm up to debt in my eyeballs because I don't know how to handle my money financially? See, see what I'm doing does it matter if who I am is not more important? And, and it's kind of it's kind of crazy because if you if you think about if you think about uh, it, the Bible talks about it saying, hey, you know what? All things work to the good of those who have been called according to my purpose. So so God's purpose, what is that? For you to be holy. So if you're called and you're walking in His will, and you're caring about who, then it says. All things will work to the get work to the good. All things. So, and and if you go in and you kind of unpack the Greek there, when it's saying all things, what it literally means is all things, everything. Right? Like, like, like you can make the wrong decision, but if you are more, if you care more about who you are, God will work it out. For your good. It may be difficult for a season. It might not be been the best decision, and you might have some, some obstacles to overcome, but in the end, the best is yet to come because you care more about who you are than what you're doing. See, you, you can't make the perfect decision. We'll never know all of the options that are out there, but, but we can practically look at it with discernment and wisdom, and we'll get there later in this series, but, but even if you make the wrong decision, if you are walking with Christ and you are caring about your character, then he will work out all things to the good for those that are called according to his purpose. Do you, do you get that? I mean, how amazing is that, that we serve a heavenly father that trusts us enough to make our own decisions? And if we make the wrong one, as long as we're pursuing a relationship with him, he's gonna work it out for you. That. That is an amazing truth. That that changes the way we make decisions. It changes the way we look at life. It it changes the way we look at at dating, right? You're worried about if you're going to date the right person or not. Well, hey, if you're concerned with who you are and you find a person that's concerned with who they are, then, then date them. But if it's not that, if they're more concerned with what people think about them, if they're more concerned with, with getting all their uh, personal satisfaction and they care more about themselves and they care about others and they're not caring about their character, then avoid it. Because the standard is, is who we are, not what we are doing. If you're worried about whether you should marry this person or wait, the answer is be faithful To Christ. If you're worried about you should have this job or start a new one, be faithful to Christ. If you're worried about whether you should buy this car or or keep the one you have, be faithful to Christ. The answer is who we are, not what we are doing. God's will for you is more about who you are than what you do. And if you are becoming the right who, then you will choose the right do. And the second thing, if you if you want to know what God's will for your life is, if you look at, at Proverbs 16:2, it says all persons ways seem pure to them. So when we're making decisions and we're in and we're looking at our heart and we're thinking, you know, what am I doing? Our motives will seem pure to us. But it says that that motives are weighed by the Lord. It means that that why you're doing what you're doing matters to God. If you look at Galatians 1.10, Paul is talking, he says, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. He's saying, look, I've got the, 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 these two things that I can try to serve and I can care about. My motives can be about pleasing people or my motives can be about pleasing God. The point is that our motives matter David writes in the psalm, he says, search my heart, O God, remove anything that is impure. So, so if who comes before do, and motives matter to God, that means that why comes before what? Why you do what you do is more important than whatever it is you're doing. And, and this makes sense, right? Like, if you think about the why, honestly, what, what are your goals? Think about it. If your goals are truly worth something that is is worth reaching for, then you're going to run into some roadblocks. There's going to be hard times. There's going to be be times when it doesn't seem like uh, all the financial needs are gonna be met. There's gonna be times when the school loan doesn't go through. There's gonna be times when you fail that test, or there's gonna be times when you you get called back for a second interview, and then they never call you back and tell you you got the job. There's gonna be times when you uh, argue with your kids. There's gonna be times when you argue with your spouse. There's gonna be times when when your company has to downsize and you get laid off. There's gonna be difficult times. If you're pursuing something that is worth pursuing, it's gonna get difficult. And if you're so caught up in what you're doing, and then that what goes away because of some kind of obstacle, we're going to be tempted to drop that what and pursue a new one. But if we define our why, and we know why we're pursuing whatever it is we're pursuing, then when the hard times come, we've got the motives we need to persevere through the trials. We got the motives. We know why we're doing what we're doing. And just because it gets difficult, we don't give up because we're pushed by our why, not by what we're doing. And and the good news is, the good news is, Scripture tells us why we should do whatever we're doing. If you go to, to, let me make sure I get it right, Colossians 3, uh, verse 17, it says, whatever you are doing, whatever in word or in deed, Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you're doing, if you're a stay-at-home parent, if you're a CEO, if you're a barista, if you're a student, if you're whatever it is you're doing, it doesn't matter. See, the what doesn't matter. Whatever, why you do it is to bring glory to God. And in that moment, you know that when trial sets in, that God's glory shines brightest when you persevere through difficult times. Then you know your why is because God is in control and He is why you're doing. It. And that's why we that's why we do things with excellence. That's why if you're at the the bottom level of whatever job you're in, you do that. If you're if you're cooking fries, you do that with all that you are, and you do fries with the most excellence that you could do it, do fries. And then you know what you're. Your boss sees that and says, hey, you know what? We're moving you up to burgers. And then you do burgers with them, all that you have. And you climb that ladder and you work with all that you have. And you do everything for the glory of God. And when times get difficult, you keep pursuing excellence. And, and I want you to notice that, that the title of this series is Divine Direction, not Divine Destination, because we don't arrive. Nobody's going to be Perfect. But, but in the book of Matthew, we, see, we, see, we hear that we're supposed to be perfect as our Father is perfect. There's this holy pursuit of obedience. There's this holy pursuit of bringing God glory. Why more than what? And whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. See, see you, you won't do the right what if you're driven by the wrong why. You can't get to the, the right place when you start with the wrong motives. I, and I, I want to kind of close with the story of a, a, a man that's had a lot of influence in my life. And, and honestly, if you look at kind of the spectrum of people, I've been unbelievably blessed with the role models and the men I've had in my life. I've got my father who's been a role model. I've got a stepfather that's been a role father. I've got grandparents that have been role models. And, and I've had no shortage of of men to look up to. But for the sake of this story, I, I want you to see that there, there's a man that was in my life for, for several years, and he influenced who I was. And it wasn't about what he was doing. And it, wasn't, it was about who he was before. See, see this guy, the reason I'm using him as an example, because he, was, he never preached a sermon in his life. He never was a CEO. He worked in middle management for a big organization. He, he never had any kind of huge church that he attended. But this man was faithful in everything that he did. He was a man with character. He, he loved his family. With all the, every, Everything he did was to serve his family. He cared for his kids. He cared for his kids' kids. He cared for his kids' nieces' kids. Like, like He loved people. And he did everything he can. He, he would give money. He would house people. And they were all, all people that were in his family. But the thing about his family was it included just about everybody. Lauren and I, his name was Rick. And, and when we were in South Carolina, we were hours away from our family. And I've told you guys the story about how her car needed new tires and he bought them for us. He, 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 had, he had his son would, would actually give us a gas gift card every week when we first started at the church because we were driving 35 minutes to, to and from church every Sunday. And, and, and the whole family mimicked his generosity he, he, we would Sundays we'd go over to his house for, for lunch after church and we'd have people from different churches all over the community that would be there. He'd have all of his kids, nieces and nephews, grandkids. He'd have neighbors. He had people that were, he had just ran into that week. And he, he had all of these people and he had this huge table in his living room or in his kitchen and he would just house people every Sunday. We'd have this huge meal and he would serve people and he loved people. See, he was a person of integrity and caring. Even when they didn't know if he had money or not, he was generous. He would pay his tithe. He would give offerings. He would care for people. Even when he was busy, he never hesitated to come out and lend a helping hand, paint a building, build a sign, change some tires. He he was always there serving and loving people. And when when I got married, I got some advice that said, "To always strive to outserve your spouse." And when I heard that advice, the first person I thought of was Rick. And literally the way I approached marriage from that point on was, "How can I outserve my spouse?" And I haven't always got it right. But Rick's actions literally influence and change the life, not because of what he did not because of his what, or because of his do, but because of who he was and why he did what he did. Your story is not finished. Your blank pages are waiting to be written. The decisions you make today determine how that story plays out. Are you gonna be a person of character putting your who before do? Are you going to be a person with the right motives, putting your why before what? And when you put those in, in, in line and you pursue life caring about who you are and why you're doing what you're doing, the other things will take care of themselves. Who is the person that you are becoming and why are you doing what you're doing?